Talking about the emu war today. Emu, emu. We'll also talk about how you pronounce that name because or that animal because it has become a point of contention when I talk to my friends and family about the emu, emu war. What a terrible intro. Let's just get into it. Let's dive in. Let's talk about it. Anything and everything. Let's discuss this calmly and rationally. Come on in here. Let's talk about it. Wait, wait, wait. Let's discuss this. All right. If I'm being honest with you guys and honest with myself, I think those little 10 second intro bits I do are really lacking. Might have to change up that entire format of how I do it. Speaking of change, the name of this show has changed from Deep Dives with John Boy to Just Talking. And also, if we're being honest again, I think Deep Dives with John Boy is the better name. Uh, I didn't switch it because it's better. I switched it because I have all these podcasts now. I have Talking Yanks, which is my biggest one that has the biggest following, Yankee fans that I do once a week. And baseball's ending, and I don't know what I'm going to do with my time. Kind of getting a little sad thinking about it. I'm going to dive headfirst into TV and movies. I already have a movie podcast with some buddies, I some internet buddies. And then I'm going to do... Me and my girlfriend, we are doing Talking Outlander. So if you like the show Outlander, I have that podcast, Talking Outlander, with her. Sit on the couch right after we watch the episode and just talk about the episode. So it's kind of a reaction thing. Outlander's an awesome show. And then my buddy Evan, I have the same thing with him, but a different show called Glitch, Talking Glitch. So all the podcasts I decided that like my network, if you want to say, is going to be talking whatever it's about. So I didn't want to have four talking blanks and then deep dives with John Boy didn't go smoothly. So I put up a Twitter poll. The options were talking stuff, talking life, or just talking. And just talking one. So I don't know. That's what it is now, okay? That's what it is. Deal with it. Deep dives still make sense. I'm cha- I'm keeping the intro with the dive-in music. So if this ever gets bigger in the coming episodes and years you original like i think there's like 80 people that listen will be the ones who like oh i know why it has water splash you know because that'll be a worldwide question hey why does just talking have a water splash so this one since it is like i like going into subjects but it's kind of just me talking um and i do have planned subjects today is monday and i don't have work today which is really nice but also means i have to work a wedding this weekend i haven't worked a wedding in a month and it was really nice to have that time off and the uh, ability to try and catch up at work instead of every time I film the pile gets higher that's what I'm doing Monday I'm a podcast machine now I guess yesterday I I recorded three and released three today I'm going to be recording this one I'm recording a movie one later oh I also want to do a podcast called Binge Talking TV because I watch all the series that everyone watches on Netflix, on Hulu, on Amazon. And you can't do episode, episode by episode discussions because no one's going to watch an episode of Stranger Things and, oh, I got to go listen to a podcast about that episode now. No, you're just going to fucking hit play and watch the next one. But I, I love talking shows, so I want to, so I made one for those types of shows. It's called Binge Talking, Binge Talking TV, something like that. And I'm going to start doing that too. So, uh, I'm a nut job. I like doing things. Uh, I don't have enough time to do all this, but I'm doing it. So I don't know how that's going to work out. It's fun though. I enjoy it. So I might as well do it, right? Today we're talking about the emu war. So I also looked this up because I said emu. My girlfriend said it's emu. 
So I looked that up. In America, it is pronounced emu, like the noise a cow makes, moo, emu. And in everywhere else in the entire world and in Australia, which is where they're from, it's emu, which is more of like a meal. So I say emu naturally, and so does my younger sister. And I think that's because we lived in Australia maybe, that, but who knows. Uh, I'll probably interchange it. Whatever comes out, comes out. So if it sounds weird to you, get used to it. The emu war is a pretty fun topic that always gets brought up in jokes and people talk about about Australia. It's kind of like a mocking thing. And I had never really dove in deep into it because, the okay, so the base story, if you've never heard of it at all, this is what you'll find on Wikipedia and other YouTube videos that describe it. Emus were a pest. They were eating all the crops. So the farmers asked for help. The, military, the Australia sent their military to go fight the emu. The emu outsmarted them, outlasted them, and won. And the Australian military had to retreat. And it was a failed operation. And Australia once lost a war to emus. That's like the fun fact wrap-up. Australia lost a war to emus. So that is the bare bones, what everyone on the internet knows. Now, I was a history major. Don't know if you know that about me. And this is the first time since college. So we're going back five or six years that I put on my history major hat. I went to the internet. I went to the archives. I went to all the Australian newspapers, dug through their archives, searched everything out. I went to the library, went to the stacks. Just joking. That's what I did in college. I went to the stacks of the library and I would just sit there. If you don't know what stacks are, that's like where they keep the books part of the library. So the back of the library, three of the four colleges I went to had stacks. And I would go to the stacks when I was in college and just sit back there because no one ever came through there. You could murder someone in the stacks and no one would find out. I bet people hook up in the stacks. Well, why wouldn't you just hook up in your dorm room? Okay. And I would go there and I would write my papers or I wrote a novel uh, my senior year of college. I would go there and write my novel. That's what I did with this, except I just went on the internet and then I sat in this very chair I'm sitting in and I read the newspapers. And so, okay, so this is the Emu War. But it's uh, a little more detailed than you'd find anywhere else, I think. I don't think anywhere else had all this information. So I have, I have literally, if you're looking, if you're watching the video or just listening, I have a stack of papers here from the newspapers. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go through the, the story chronologically. So it's 1932. And yeah, the emus, they are native to Australia. They're Australian birds. They're kind of like a symbol of Australia to some. But they're eating the shit out of all the crops in Perth, in... Western Australia, and they're just killing these farmers' crops. They were trying to make wheat. The government told them to make wheat. They would subsidize wheat, but the emu was eating all the wheat because they were looking, they were going to the coastland because it was dry, hadn't rained in a while. So they tried to take care of it in their own hands. And listen to this article right here. This is how they tried to kill the emu before the government got involved. Before the machine gun party arrived, the farmers commissioned a motor lorry to run the birds down, while men armed with sticks on the running board beat them down. So, picture that. They were just literally like Forrest Gump driving a truck through the wheat fields, and people were standing on the side of the running board just beating the shit out of emus. Emus are big birds. They're like six feet tall, and they're pretty fast. They can run 30 miles per hour. So they were chasing these down, just hitting them over the head with sticks. That was their method to kill. Later on in this news story, it says, Even boys on bicycles pedaled after the pests of the district and killed 27 in one morning by striking them down with sticks. That's pretty gruesome. That's like, hey, I'm just trying to, you know, farm my wheat. Oh, wait, now I got to go 
turn into a deranged emu killer for half the day so that I can spend the next half of my day farming my wheat. That sucks. Just trying to farm here. Oh, we, oh son, come on, we gotta kill the emus. And it's not like you set traps or a humane way. You're literally just driving around, beating them with sticks off the side of the road. So they're like, government, this is ridiculous. Please help us out. We can't do this anymore. So they got it approved, okay? The government said, okay, we'll help you out. They thought it would be nice after the war to get make good with the farmers. They, it, would, it would help them out. It also was at no cost to the military. They basically, they sent one machine gun and three soldiers. So when people say Australia lost a war to emus once, that's like the fun fact. Like I said, that's how it's summed up. War is a funny term that people say in jest. It was three soldiers that were going to get paid for just sleeping in the barracks and doing non-war military stuff in 1932 Australia. Or they were like, all right, go to Perth and just shoot these animals. So they lent them the machine gun and the officer in charge of the party, this is a quote from a newspaper article, said... The officer in charge of the party received orders from military headquarters in Sydney for 100 emu skins, the feathers of which will be used for hats of the light horsemen. So that was a division in the Australian army. So he said, all right, we want 100 emu skins and we want their feathers to put on our hats. That was the order. They sent three men down there. The guy that was in charge was Major Meredith and he had two. He had a Sergeant McMurray and a Gunner O'Hallahan. So these three guys were just sent their mission, kill the fuck out of some emus for the people in Perth, help them out. The agricultural bank guaranteed payment of $50 for 1,000 rounds, but the Perth farmers said, we will cover the cost. So this was at no cost. All the government did was lend them one machine gun. The soldiers were getting paid anyway. The ammunition was being paid for by the farmers. Now, that is something we know now that a lot of people didn't know to begin with. And here we go. On November 2nd, the war started. They were supposed to start in October, but it rained, so all the emus went away. So they waited. The emus didn't rain. The emus came back. War was on, okay? November 2nd, 1932, it starts. Now, the newspapers of the time had a lot of fun covering this event. They had a lot of fun, and I mean, this is 1932, so the newspaper was pretty much law. Let me see what I got here. So, 20 killed in emu war is the headline after the first day. The nearest the party got to the emus was about 600 yards, and the second that the birds appeared not in flocks of several hundred, but in groups of 30 or 40. So that was the major issue. Once they started shooting that machine gun, the emus were smart. They were like, okay, maybe we shouldn't hang out in thousands anymore, and we should split up into groups. So they did. So the government thought they were going to go in. There was going to be mobs. That's the term of a group of emus, a mob. Thought there was going to be thousands of emus just walking around in mobs, which is how things happened in the past. So they were like, that's how they'll do it. These birds aren't that smart. We'll just go shoot our machine gun into the thousands. We'll probably kill 100 right away. No, emus were like, okay, well, we'll split up because that seems smarter. We'll split up. So that changed the whole strategy for the three guys. So then the guys had to, like, hide out by the dam and wait for the emus to come get drinks of water and then pick them off because they couldn't just shoot into the crowds. So it changed. The whole thing changed. So that was different. That was one reason it wasn't as easy to kill the emus as they thought. The second reason, and this is really, really gets bizarre, is that emus are basically invincible. Okay? Invincible. Listen to this passage. 
This is from November 5th, 1932, the Sydney Daily News. Listen to this newspaper passage. The ability of the birds to keep moving despite their wounds borders on miraculous. Some of the birds have had been almost disemboweled by bullets, yet they do not go down. The guy in charge, Major Meredith, he had just been in World War One. Oh, also, so they wanted to test out the machine gun because they had been gunned down, the Australian regiment, in World War One by the machine gun, the Lewis machine gun. So they wanted to test it out for their own. So this was also target practice letting the soldiers shoot the gun, get a hang of it. So it really didn't hurt the military at all. They were like, we're going to just be shooting rounds on base, figuring out this gun. Why don't we just go test it on these emus and help out the locals? Really didn't hurt. So that's the other point. But Major Meredith said that that if he had men who could carry bullets as emus do, the he would take on any army in the world. <laughs> All if he had an army of emus, he could he would take on any army in the world. November fifth, nineteen thirty-two. Another article: The Lewis gunners have fired two thousand rounds, and the estimated victims are approximately two hundred. Gratifying to settlers is the fact that the gunners appear to be driving the pest out of the districts. So that was the big like, they weren't killing them. Two hundred took ten shots to kill one emu. Is that right? Yeah, it took 10 shots to kill one emu, and they're paying for the ammunition, so that that's a lot. All right, here's another quote about the emu being invincible. This is wild. Strap in, listen to this. It's a long passage. This was published November 8th, 1980, 1932, okay? Two emus were chased today for about a mile by a car. When one was brought down by a rifle shot fired by a passenger... Its killing furnished a striking illustration of the now noted hardiness of the emus. The wounded bird, being hit in the leg but un- but unable to do more than hop for safety, a car passenger pursued it and brought it down with a blow of a wadi. A wadi is a wooden stick. The emu dropped in its tracks but was still breathing, so a 22 rifle bullet was fired into its head from a distance of one foot. Satisfied that the emu was dead, the man returned to the car, which was about to be driven off when it noticed that the dead emu was resurrected with its head in the air. Another bullet was necessary from the rifle, held to its head before the emu expired. The emu is maintaining its reputation of being the hardest bird in the world to kill. Did you guys just hear that story? It's from a 1932 newspaper talking about when they tried to kill emus to help the farmers out, and it's literally a cartoon scene. An emu, like, running away from a car. They track it down. They shoot it in the leg. It gets wounded. The guys are like, okay, we got it. Emu pops its head up again. They're like, fuck. They walk over. They beat it with a stick. They're like, it's dead now. Emu pops its head up again. Whole audience laughs. Can't kill this guy. They shoot it in the head from a foot away. They walk away. Fucker, finally, we got it. Emu pops up his head again. The audience erupts in laughter. Everyone's laughing. What a funny cartoon. They put a gun right to the emu's head, blow its brains out. The audience is like, aww. That was real life. <laughs> the emu just refused to die. So they were invinc- invincible. That made it very hard to kill. There was one newspaper quote that said they found one emu with 10 bullet holes in it still living. Oh, I tried to look up like why? Like if we had done scientific studies now, if why are they so strong and hard to kill? Couldn't find anything really. But 10 bullet holes in one emu. What happened was the war lasted for five days. These three guys went out there, tried to kill the emus. 
the newspapers were reporting how hard the emu was to kill, how it took 10 bullets to kill one emu, how they were just wasting ammunition and time. And it kind of just was like the whole nation was like, what the fuck's going on in Perth? This seems like a huge waste of time and joke. And it's kind of just making everyone laugh at our army. So stop. So the government put an end to it. To everyone that was on the scene was pretty pissed about it. Like the soldiers there were mad. The farmers that saw the, what was happening were mad because they sure weren't killing a lot. And it was a weird effort, but they drove them away. They weren't coming in the thousands anymore. They were coming in the 30s or 40s. That was better. So they were like, why'd you stop it? And like, because you see what the newspapers are writing? Everyone's laughing at us. Literally, newspapers were writing it up as a joke. Listen to this one from 1932 in the Daily News in Perth. This is a whole article, and this is one paragraph. The emu commander is maintaining a studied silence as to his future plans but it is understood that he is much impressed with the capacity for resistance shown by raw troops and confident they will continue to uphold the best traditions of the emu race. So people are writing about it in, in the newspaper as if you know the emus are a real army with stratagem and not just a wild animal. So it's a mockery. There's another one. Let me find it that, that is even funnier. Some guy wrote a diary, a daily diary of the emu war. 3.20 p.m. The enemy still refused to stand still and be cocksheet at. League of Nations warfare regulations entirely ignored by the enemy. 3.30 p.m. The enemy cannot be brought to see seriousness of affairs. They think this is a new sort of game. The birds. 3.45 p.m. Our intelligence department advised. Enemy as being equipped with legs of superior pattern to ours. <laughs> so the emus are faster, quicker. They can cut. They can jive a little bit quicker. Which is true. They can run 30 miles per hour. I can't run 30 miles per hour. 5 p.m. Just learned that the enemy is not aware of any war. Complains they should have been told. <laughs> Just learned the emu enemy is not aware of any war. Complains they should have been told. Mistook the whole thing for a sort of lottery puzzle. They want to know who won. So these are the real newspapers in Australia just making an open joke of this, which is why they stopped the war. So they stopped the war. They pulled out the machine gun. They pulled out the three guys. They kind of stayed for a couple days and kept shooting. And they went to Congress and they explained the whole thing. They're like, hey, we're just lending him a gun. I've already told you guys this, but that's what they said to the Congress and the reporters. So they could finally say the farmers are paying for the bullets. Our men are paid for whether they're shooting emus or just sleeping in the barracks. The gun is new and we're practicing on it. They are, we've killed 300, not 10 like you guys are reporting. And they are leaving the area and not coming back in the thousands. It's working. Let us go back and do it more. So they did. They're like, okay, fine. I guess if, I guess if all that's true, we will let you, let you go. They even had like man on the street newspapers of people saying that. Like, this guy is a man on the street in uh, 1932, November 17th. He's like, why is this happening? Who allowed it? Why did the federal government allow it? On November 9th, five days after they ended the war, the newspapers realize, oh, okay, it's not as silly or dumb as we think. They send them back. They spend, uh, they were in a town or an area called, I probably pronounced both these wrong, Campion and... They went back there. That was the first area. They drove them off. Then they went to a different area. Wagul Wagulin. Wagulin. Yeah. 
I'm, I'm probably pronouncing those wrong. Those are the two places. So when the war went back to starting, they went, they finished up what they started in Campy, and they went to the second site, Walgulen, and worked there. But now it, because it went to Congress, they stopped it. The newspapers were saying, okay, the Sydney in the East got involved, and they were just like so up in arms that this was happening out west and what a bad name it was giving australia as a country here in the east of sophisticated sydney we don't do this sydney had a lot of foxes that eat emu eggs so they didn't have uh, as much of an emu problem is what i read so this is something uh an easterner wrote in 1933 january 7th 1933 so this is after two months after the war is over and done they drove the emus out there is no good australian who is not proud to regard the emu as a fellow countryman and who does not feel a kick of patriotic sentiment when he looks upon the pictures of the emu and the kangaroo on the national coat of arms and who does not feel a real surge of indignation when, without any justification, war is made on either of them. So the East is like, the emu is native to Australia. You should feel proud when you see it. Very easy for the Sydney people to say in 1932 when the emus weren't literally taking money out of their pockets, weren't going up to their farms and stealing all of their wealth. I think it's easier to be proud of the emu when they're not fucking up your your business. So Sydney was all upset. All right, so that war came to an end, okay? So that was in defense of the emu war. I guess I'm defending it because I looked it up and they were like, nah, I mean, who cares? People are just saying the war on emus and they lost. Well, they sent three dudes target practice with birds and the birds were kind of smarter than them and invincible. I mean, if you go fight someone and they got, they're invincible. I don't know if you lost, you just tough, tough fight to choose. This is really interesting. Here is a payment. So the department of agriculture sent the farmers, uh, the payment cost to the guy who was in charge let me find his name mr o'leary okay so they sent him so this is how many bullets we used this is what you owe and mr o'leary responded and this seems like it was the grand plan and why the farmers were like yeah we'll pay for the ammunition we'll pay for the ammunition because he responded right away and said he said okay cool that's what i owe you for the bullets well this is what you owe me for harboring the soldiers feeding the soldiers driving the soldiers to the field the gas it took this is what you owe me for the six thousand bushels of wheat that they shot at with their machine gun and ruined for me so he basically had that plan planned he was like okay well this is what you owe me because and uh, i think he worked out because later on, as I found out, he, that same guy, O'Leary, called for an emu war. Actually, Western Australia, Perth farmers called for an emu war four more times in the next 20 years. Like, hey, remember 1932 when you guys came that machine gun to shoot the birds? We need your help again. So to them, the people that were involved, it was not a failure. But they never got help again, okay? Because in 1935, three years later... The emus were back, didn't rain, they were back, and the farmers and Mr. O'Leary wanted a lot of help. And the Minister of Defense said, this was their response, the Minister for Agriculture has given consideration to every possible means of getting rid of the pest and has come to the conclusion that a bonus of one shilling a head will provide the best solution. The men seeking the bonus will decide whether they want to poison or shoot the emus. So... They were like, we're not going to bring our machine gun there and get everyone mad and make everyone laugh at us again. But there's a bounty on the emu's head and you get one shilling for everyone you kill. And this is how they did it forever. 
But people were still upset because in 1935 they were calling for the war again. And the East wrote, Sydney wrote another whole article on 19, September 14th, 1935. Why not ask for planes from the Air Force? Why don't we bomb the emus? Well, guess what, dickhead who wrote that paper in 1935? In 1943, July 2nd, the emus were back again. 11 years after the first war. And this is written in the, daily, in the Perth Daily News. Farmers in Walgulin District of Western Australia, concerned at the increase in number of emus and the damage they are doing to crops, are seeking aid from the Army and Air Force in an effort to reduce the marauders. It is now suggested that small light bombs of the grass cutter type dropped from planes on the feathered flocks would be most effective. So that dude in 1935 is like, why don't you ask for the Air Force, you assholes? 1943 like good remember that guy who said we should ask for the air force in a mocking way well let's do that for real obviously they didn't they didn't they did not drop bombs on the emus they went with the bounty system they said that was the most easy way to do it and it was people were catching emus there's like pictures they had these traps and then they would kill them so in the end the bounty system was the best way to go but there's some more info on the emu war that I did a lot of de research on. Hopefully you found that interesting. It's pretty interesting. Um, it's very simple for someone to write the line, Australia went to war against emus and lost as trivia of the day. But when you look into it, I don't know. Did they lose? Was it a war? Was it target practice against some nifty birds that helped the people they were trying to help? Who knows? Who knew, I, who knew that I would become such a big uh, emu defender? So I think, so that's it. That's done with emus. Let's move on to indulges of the day, of the week. What the hell did I watch this week? I watched Outlander, obviously. I watched Glitch. Oh, I watched Transparent, show on Amazon. I'm actually going to do a whole review on that season. Uh, to sum it up in one word, I thought it was delightful, and I didn't think it was going to be delightful because I don't usually... I usually watch that show and it gets me very frustrated. Did I watch anything else? I'm watching The Deuce on HBO. I like that. I mean, I'm watching a lot of shows, but I don't know if I've binged anything. Music-wise, a new Josh Ritter album came out. Didn't like it that much. I like his last album a lot. Maybe I got to listen to it some more. It's always a weird thing. Do you have to listen to music a lot to like it? But then I was driving home from Oakland saturday with katie and i don't know why i got an inkling to listen to langhorn slim so i put langhorn slim on love langhorn slim i don't know if you guys have heard of him i don't even he's like uh i guess like rock touch of blues no idea how to describe it just uh, all encompassing it's like new rock folk blues type stuff maybe i'll throw a song i'll throw one of his songs on the end there i'll throw uh the way we move it's a fast fun song I wrote this movie, this uh, coming coming of age movie set in New Jersey. Uh, I wrote a hundred pages of it. I have the whole thing outlined, but I, I guess once I realized I wasn't going to actually be able to fund and make a movie and pay actors and direct or do anything. So I have this uh, hundred pages of a movie script written down and the whole outline and my whole opening scene. I was going to use The Way We Move by Langhorn Slim as the opening credits because you know, it was about a young kid uh, summer with his friends and his girlfriend and 
getting in trouble and doing the wrong thing and then getting in serious trouble and then figuring out life. So I was going to use that, this song. I'll play it at the very end. Uh, this is the lyric I like. In the belly of the whale, in my bedroom I can't sleep. While all my friends got crooked tails, that's the way I like it. That's the company I keep. That was going to be my big opening song of the movie that I wrote. I even have it in there like, play this song, this verse right there. So that's it for uh, Just Talking. The Emu War. I don't know how people liked uh, liked it because that was a more of a history lesson than a theory or an effect or evolution of friendship or kissing. Those are more social situations. This was more historical. Uh, I was a history major, so I like history. I don't know. Uh, well, maybe I'll do history ones. Maybe I'll do... If you listen to this, I need suggestions. Tweet at me at johnboy underscore email me johnboyvideos.com if you run across an interesting effect if you want a, a social situation i don't know a weird part of history let's google it let's dig into it let's talk about it i need more options i'm gonna try and find some but this was a uh, one that i asked this and the mandela effect were both responses to the same question and i liked it if i can put on my history hat that's fun I guess I hadn't done it in years and I enjoyed it thoroughly. Hopefully you enjoyed it as well. Thanks guys. Try your hardest. Do your best. Enjoy Langhorn. But our strategy, to be honest, is try your hardest. Do your best. Try your hardest. Do your best. Try your hardest. Do your best. Try your hardest.